Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Mack Weldon. With smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing. Myself, I am the exception to the rule because I am currently wearing Mack Weldon underwear, so how about that? In addition to looking great and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities, so they work hard too. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. All of that, and they are shipped right to your door. If you don't like your first pair, keep it. They will still refund you, no questions asked. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code WATCH. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio wearing a parka because winter is finally here. It's Andy Greenwald. Guys. I wish that our podcast was filmed because I watched Chris's face as he realized he had already done the top of the register, and then he kicked it up. I know. I was like, I was trying to hit my John Lennon twist and shout ah, it's good. vibe, but I couldn't get You're it. You're excited. I am. I'm hoping I don't blow my voice out before Sunday. We've been talking about, we've just been talking a lot. We have been. That's kind of a lot we, of you. That's kind of what we do. Guys, uh, Game of Thrones is almost here. Andy and I are so excited. Uh, we did a show at Largo this week, and we want to say thank you to Jason Mansukis and Andrea Savage and everybody at Largo and Rebecca Pfefferman and Colin Orkut and everybody who put together the show. And the audience. That was awesome, and thank you to everybody and who came. Also, side shouts to Andrea Savage for coming in the midst of her promo blitz for her very funny show. I'm sorry. On True TV. you got to ch- check that out. It's really, really funny. Uh and we will be doing another live show at Largo on August 23rd. Tickets are on sale. That'll Tickets be are on sale before now. the finale. Yeah, it's the in between the penultimate episode, penultimate episode. That was awesome. And the finale today on the watch, we will be joined by binge mode Game of Thrones podcast hosts and our friends, and talk the Thrones co-hosts Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion. They're going to be walking in here like like the army of the dead yeah, yeah they, they, they are they are they shells. actually you know it's, it goes to show you how hard they were working in that just getting more than two hours of sleep they yeah. both seem like different people i gotta say on tuesday night when i went up to them and i was like would you guys like to come on the watch on thursday because i feel like you might want an opportunity to podcast about game of thrones to their credit they smiled and accepted they did not even uh shiv me in the they're stomach they're professionals man yeah, they're good uh today but we're gonna before we get to the uh throne stuff Let's just do a quick Emmys nomination. There's a lot to talk about. This yeah. is a big morning here in here in Tinseltown. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to talk about the Emmys. They came out. They they were announced actually on a, a very West Coast friendly schedule of 8:30 PST. I noticed that. Um, and you know, Allison has a great piece up on the Ringer, kind of looking at uh, the winners and losers from the nominations today. Uh, a couple of Andy and Chris faves in yeah. the mix here. Okay. I, you're going positive first. I yeah. appreciate. Yeah. Okay. That. So I wanted. Let's do positives first. Very well, very very happy to see so many night of. Yeah, I was not prepared to go Richard positive Price, first. Steve Zalian, John Turturro, Riz, Riz Ahmed, Ahmed, Bill Camp. Bill Camp. So very excited by that. Fred Elms for his direction, mm-hmm. um, uh, for his direction of photography, sorry, the mm-hmm. cinematography, which was, uh, I thought, gorgeous throughout. Um, mm-hmm. And Robert Elswit shot the first uh, two episodes, I think. So some great cinematography in the night of. Excited for that. Excited for the two writing nominations for Atlanta, as well as Donald Glover's. Nomination for, for directing yes. and acting, and he directing had two. and acting, and Atlanta up for best comedy. Wonderful to see that. And uh, you know, I know that it goes up and down in people's estimation, but I'm I, I thought Stranger Things was a just absolutely awesome show, it, and I was I was happy to see it nominated as well. It is worth noting that it, it, it because the show came on so long ago and we're already being set up for the, the second season that it's hard to remember what an unlikely underdog the show yeah. is. It, it people are sort of rolling their eyes, like of course it flooded the Emmys with nominations, but. That's pretty nuts. Did you have any other things that you were pleasantly surprised about? Because nobody wants to do an Emmy nominations bit about like what they... All the members of the Jeffrey Rush Hive, the Rushettes, are so hype on genius getting its due. History Channel, <laughs> what's up? But it wasn't even sexy Einstein. That's the thing. That, w- that was sexy Einstein. That was the one where it's Einstein, but he fucks. <laughs> That Jeffrey was... Rush has sex in that show? Yeah, but he, he plays older Einstein. Oh, okay, so it's, he has flashbacks of his own virile self. How dare you? Older men can <laughs> That's perform. True. I have read the novels of Philip Roth. I should know better by now. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that you did not mention uh, the nomination for the best episode of Black Mirror Season 3, San Junipero, yeah. which, by the way, 
is terrific that it got nominated, but also incredible shouts to Netflix and their marketing arm for realizing that they needed to promote that single episode as a made-for-television movie just to get a nomination. That's smart. That's how the game is played. So, bravo. Jeffrey Wright got a nomination for Westworld, a show I otherwise detest, but I'm always happy to see Jeffrey Wright get some. Look, honestly, this is is the transition to – from positive to less than positive, when I say that the real winners here are the marketing departments of the heavyweights. So is, it, by the heavyweights, is that different than any other year? Um, what makes you say it this year and not, not say it last year? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, that's pretty much always the case. I think one thing that the Emmys have in their favor is that they are not the Golden Globes. And what I mean is everyone winks and nods and knows the Golden Globes are a joke. Um, that can basically they, they can be bought, you know, because there's very few people... Uh, who are voters, Mm -hmm. and their qualifications are definitely suspect. The Emmys takes itself much more seriously. The voting process is much more rigorous. The people included in it are much more serious than the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. I see the face you're making. But let's be real. Let's be really real. Like, the lobbying for this starts the day after the Emmys airs the year We're not talking about the papal conclave. No, and I I appreciate what you're saying. And we've talked about how um, for your consideration season is a season, and in Los Angeles now to a degree that I didn't know it, it, it was before. I don't think it actually was a few years ago, as, at least as public-facing as it is. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's worth framing this. And you could have done this years ago, too, but I think it's just much more weaponized now because, look, Hulu made The Handmaid's Tale because they were passionate about the subject matter. They couldn't wait to get in business with Elizabeth Moss and all the other people involved in the show. But they did it to, to get it nominated for It was handmaids for Emmys. for Emmys, dog. It was handmaiden for Emmys. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they did it really, really. Yeah. And it worked. And this is what, you, what you're – I wonder whether what you're reacting to here is that it was always like this. Yes. HBO and FX have, have been doing very well in awards nominations for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBS, you know, whether it was Good Wife or – but we like – a lot of the reality shows, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Amazing Race used to just dominate. I mean, like yeah. the, the, the the contenders are the contenders are the contenders, but um, not unlike a, a you know like a lot of sports where mm-hmm. you know there will all of a sudden be new spenders on the block that throw the market off. Yeah, Netflix and Amazon's uh, marketing power is now something to be reckoned with among the sort of old war horses, and that's why you're seeing th- what three Netflix shows nominated in drama. First time any one. Service has had three shows nominated in that category. Yeah, and you know, I was curious if you could tell me. Often in Oscars, if mm-hmm. that happens, where an ensemble movie mm-hmm. you get two people from one mm-hmm. movie nominated, mm-hmm. that there's this talk of canceling each other out. Right. Uh, does that happen with networks in Emmys? That's a great question that I think we're going to see put to the test for this, this year. drama series, especially I, I, for drama. Yeah. I, I I think. Um, I mean, House of Cards doesn't have a shot to yeah, win this I'll just, award. Yeah, let's just do a little bit of service journalism here sure. and let you guys know. Outstanding drama series, the nominees are Better Call Saul, FX, or sorry, AMC. Uh, House of Cards, Netflix, Handmaid's Tale, Hulu, Crown, Netflix, This Is Us, NBC, Stranger Things, Netflix, Westworld, HBO. Yeah. So Now, no Game of Thrones this year because they missed the eligibility window by taking a little bit more time off. That's correct. Yeah. So this was a big, uh, there was a big opening this year. And uh, Game of Thrones was off the board. Downton Abbey ended, so it wasn't eligible. Mm-hmm. Homeland, I guess people finally <laughs> paid attention, took it off their DVRs, didn't make it. Um, so there's an opening. Now, what I, the reason I was saying that stuff about lobbying was just to say it's a crime that The Leftovers wasn't nominated for anything except guest actress for Ann Dowd. Everyone involved in The Leftovers kind of expected that, mm-hmm. both because, yes, the show is not highly rated. Um, I mean, it's not the, the ratings aren't very high. I mean, it's highly rated by critics and sure. people who, who, who love it. And so it goes into that category of shows like The Wire that really just weren't understood or appreciated in their time, and that's fine. But it's unquestionably the case that HBO, which has the biggest muscle, I mean, Netflix seems to be pushing them off their corner a little bit, but but HBO, I mean, just look at the way they dominate um, comedy categories, look at the way they've dominated drama. Um, they could have pushed. They could have pushed. The well, leftovers, I almost wonder also whether pushed, this but, is. But they pushed Westworld because look, there are people at HBO. I promise you, and I will not name names who were like, we got the Hindenburg on our hands. And then they put the show on, and they were like, oh, this is working. Okay, so, okay. so they need this to work. Now, I think the second season's going to be better, but this is an expensive show. Game of Thrones is ending. They need Westworld to be the standard I, I barrier. I completely so agree with They you, propped it up. But I almost nominated. wonder whether or not Netflix's strategy is the exact opposite of that, Where, whereas HBO uh, is very highly curated, 
and you know they put out what 10 shows a year 20 15 20 shows a year mm-hmm. at the most uh I one, might even, one night of programming yeah one night of programming uh at any given time so probably around 12 shows a year i think right i, I think it's probably higher because if you put in limited series but your, your point is is right so Netflix puts up 12 shows a week at this point. It mm-hmm. almost feels like sometimes I'll go on a Friday. It'll be yeah. like 97 new pieces of content added yeah. today. You know, So the idea is basically, whereas HBO is like, we're going to go all in on these. We're going to put all of our chips on a few horses. Netflix is like, we're buying the horse farm. Right. And if the crown and Stranger Things happen to get, get some some legs under them, then that's all the better for us. Yeah. It- and if for some reason everybody had thought Narcos was like, a, a moving portrait of the drug war and critically acclaimed, that would have been there instead of Stranger Things. HBO is a boutique where you walk in and they have eight things and they're supposedly they're the best things and they want, and that's their brand. Their brand is discernment and excellence and consistent excellence. Netflix's brand is we will literally waterboard you with entertainment. Yeah. We will pour entertainment at you until you are choking for no more entertainment and then we'll hit you with comedy specials in the same way that netflix is dominating the drama uh the drama category hbo has a a good yes good hold on uh outstanding limited series where it's big little lies hbo fargo yep. fx fargo being a limited series i, I still don't it, sure it, it's how they submit it it's a different uh, show feud betty and jones so there's two fx shows mm-hmm. and the night of hbo mm-hmm. and genius let's um well let's say two things here I, we should go through some of these categories and just pick sort of handicap favorites before we get out of here. But I did I, I, before we move on to Thrones. But I did want to say this last year. I mean, em, Emmys. My feeling about Emmys in general, and if you want to see this this opinion written, I wrote five of these pieces. I think at Grandland expressing <laughs> my opinion, more yeah. or less the same every year. Awards are incredibly silly and arbitrary, except when they're not. And you can say this matters only to the business side, but the business side is inextricable from the creative side, especially in all entertainment, honestly, but especially in television. Um, These shows are being made. Like I was saying, Handmaid's Tale is made to put Hulu on the map. You know what I mean? Like, we're all thrilled that that Aziz and Alan Yang get to make Master of None. FX wanted to make it. It's not like it wouldn't have gotten made. But Netflix understands what it has with it. It puts money towards it, supports it, because it will end up here. in this moment and at prestige while Fuller House and, you know, under the ranch or whatever, one day at a time might actually get more viewers. Sure. They understand that. They're being both HBO and ABC, mm-hmm. which is no one's ever attempted to do that before. But last year was kind of exciting because it felt like the old order was shifting. There are many players in terms of new shows, new opinions, new voices in television, new services. And a lot of surprises seemed to bubble up more so than usual. I mean, obviously, the Americans getting a long overdue nomination drew a lot of headlines. Tracy like, Ellis Ross winning. Tracy Ellis Ross, uh, Louis Anderson winning. Yep. Um, I. I, I can't even pull more off the top of my head right now, but it felt exciting. It felt like, well, this could go just to the one OJ of, thing in general. Felt yeah. like a what? Like what it, is TV now? Yeah. yeah, and it felt like this. Okay, so, so this this peak TV or past peak TV, this this um, just you know tsunami TV could go one of two ways in terms of awards. It could just turn the platinum the, age, as T.J. Miller has called it. Well, he, no, no, I would defer to him on all things related <laughs> to TV and managing a TV career. I'm just saying. Uh, it could go one of two ways, I feel like. And the way it seemed to go last year was, well, it's just going to continue to surprise us. There may not be one consensus show anymore, but what we're getting is a reflection of how we watch TV, which is, oh, here's this, and here's this, and here's that, and it's kind of exciting. This year's nominations reflect what I think is more likely going to be the case going forward, which is it feels exhausted. Mm -hmm. Not just because Modern Family could literally broadcast a test pattern and get nominated for Best Comedy at this point. It's that, look, people can't watch all the TV. There's just no they can't. And and just and if you think people who work in the industry watch more TV than than you on your couch, you're probably wrong. Because they're sick of it or yeah. they're making it. And the critics can't watch all that TV. And the critics can't watch all the TV. Tim Goodman's uh piece a couple weeks ago and it was in THR yep. about just sort of like t- using his vacation to try and catch up on television yeah. and not even being so, able to do it then. Yeah. So one thing to say, it's not that people didn't like the leftovers. It's they literally didn't watch it to consider it. Yeah. Like that that's what you have to realize. And that's a bummer. And what that turns into is a lot of groupthink, a lot of safe choices. And I think it's kind of an indictment of the era of TV we're in, honestly, this list of best drama nominees. Um, I think Better Call Saul, we, we, look, we're victims of it too. I've heard this season of Better Call Saul is the best. We haven't even watched it yet, although I, I definitely intend to on Tim Goodman's vacation. <laughs> the Crown is fine. I'm sorry, Amanda Dobbins. Like, it's well made. I have no interest in watching wow. it. It's, you know this. This is not new. <laughs> but 
that doesn't. I, I don't just feel. I feel like Amanda's just like doing like a switchblade and putting it back in and flicking it out again after you said that. She she is going to carve the crown into the crown my forehead, no, Laura style. The, the crown is just as deserving of being here as as as, as half of these nominations. Yes, but I'm me. saying I, I think none of none of them are particularly exceptional. You know, I think The Handmaid's Tale is something is, missing. Well, Leftovers is missing. Like, what else is missing? That, that's the thing. I think drama is in sort of a weird place. Yeah. But I think also the show that, ev- that not everyone, but a majority of people can say, well, that's truly exceptional. That's moving the genre forward or moving the medium forward. Those nominees, that's Atlanta in comedy. You know, that's The Night Of or, or Fargo in limited series. Drama is a we- in a weird place right now. Westworld is, Westworld is straight up a bad show. This Is Us, I think, is going to win. But that's really just people saying, isn't it great that the networks can still do something? Stranger Things is a wonderful entertainment that isn't deserving of this. House of Cards, forget about it. Although you're... you're I re- I'm ready to recap season five whenever you want. Uh, that will not happen. <laughs> so I'm just like... Do you want to know, Tom Yates gets into some shit this year. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen. Wake me when the... When is the hacker's guinea pig? Like, is that still... Yeah, they got... It's c- c- kind of got resolved. Um, now we're on to Tom Hammerschmidt. Washington Post investigative reporter. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should recap this for me. You should send me a letter. From, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this one day. Instead of I, doing Game of Thrones, I'm just gonna run through cards. I, I just feel should, yeah. like Handmaid. We should move on. Handmaid's Tale, and we can talk about this at another time. I think Handmaid's Tale is a three star show with five star performances and a five star storyline. Honestly, and that people are excited so about the show. Again, three star show. It, I think the show five is five star pre- performances pretty good and three and, star and five star narrative behind it. Okay. In that. Hulu, Elizabeth Moss, Reed Morano, Maggie directing. Atwood. Yeah, just Maggie Atwood getting hers finally, <laughs> caking up. No, but you know what I mean. Like nothing here is exceptional. It's all fine, yeah. and that's I think sort of an indictment of, of TV in a way. It, it, you, there was a piece on the Ringer this week saying something. This this is our segue, if you don't mind. Sure. Like, there's a piece on the Ringer this week, and this is something that I feel very strongly about too, which is that Game of Thrones is the last consensus monoculture Penned by show. Allison Herman. Yes, and I. In Chowster, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's a great piece. And we are in an era where these are these Emmy nominations are fine. Last year's were better than fine because at least if it was going to be random and subjective, at least you're going to be at least it could be surprising. Yeah, this is not that, um, and that's kind of a bummer. And, and the last point I'll make, I know I've said that four times, is it is cutthroat. Like the old thing that you could count on with the Emmys before this era of TV was that if you got nominated once, then you would be nominated forever. Yeah. Because there was a, an assumption of consistency. Um, there was an establishment of a name. There was the money going behind it and lobbying. But there was also the assumption that if it won or was nominated, people would watch that show. There was a confirmation bias that, like, the, for probably on the part of the voters were that's just like, you know what, like, I've, I am now familiar with Cranston enough and, and, to just assume that he is good. And new members of the Academy would be like, well, what was nominated last year? Better watch that show because I assume it'll still be on that level. Look, The Americans was nominated last year for what I thought was their best season, and you know I've long thought that's the best show on TV, best drama show on TV. This year's, this season, this year, was subpar, mm. and it got dinged for it. It was noticed. It did not get a courtesy nomination. Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese did. But, you know, if, if, you're, not, if you're not keeping it, keeping, keeping it up, you're, you're gone. I mean, Transparent didn't get a nomination in a comedy series for a year that I agree was not as good, but it's still Transparent. So it's cutthroat, man. We'll handicap the actual categories a little mm-hmm. bit later in the summer. Maybe we'll see if these, uh, the, the, if, if maybe we can lap up some of the, you know, like the pork belly politics of all this, get wined and dined a little bit. I would appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I am, I'm not a voter, but I am willing to be <laughs> bought and sold. Let me be very clear. Oh, drain the swamp, bro. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we are going to be joined by Mal and Jason to talk about Game of Thrones and introduce our sh- our Game of Thrones after show, Talk the Thrones, nice. which will be live on Twitter after the scenes from next week, every Sunday of Season 7 of Game of Thrones. Quick break from our sponsors, for our sponsors, and then uh, Mal and Jason. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Redbox. School is out for summer, and Redbox has the video games to keep you entertained. Watch your creations come to life through characters and creatures that interact with you and each other in unexpected ways in LEGO worlds. Or try Micro Machine World Series, the only console game to combine the thrilling madness of racing micro vehicles with epic team battle strategies set against the extraordinary interactive backdrops of the everyday home. 
Check out these games and more ESRB rating. Everyone 10 plus with over 40,000 locations nationwide. You can rent and return anywhere. Better yet, you'll get a free one night game rental from Redbox when you use the promo code WATCH. Four. Swing by a box in your neighborhood, or if you want to make sure the game you want is there when you arrive, reserve it online at redbox.com games. The offer is valid through July 27th, 2017, subject to additional terms. Charges apply for additional rights, and a payment card is required. Getting into games has never been so easy. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. You know, if you are like me and you are not so great at planning ahead, I've got news for you there's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. And Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. These are not last resort places, Andy. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels that you want to stay in. And with so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's the perfect thing for a spontaneous getaway or going on that trip you've been waiting to take for a long time. Personally, I will be making my second trip to the great state of Nevada this year. Is that true? Yeah, I'm going to Lake Tahoe. And Hotel Tonight helped me do it. Can you lose money there also? Uh, It's in play. It's in play. I think, you know, when you step out your door, you're already decreasing your value. So you think about it that way, then trips to Nevada don't matter. Uh, Even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. So get in on these killer last-minute deals, why don't you? Download the Hotel Tonight app now. Okay, we're back. Me and Andy are now joined by our Talk the Thrones co-hosts and the co-hosts of the chart-burning sensation... That is binge mode colon Game of Thrones. It's Mallory Rubin. Just don't say binge mode colon. <laughs> binge mode, I, I, binge people are going to think colon. they're sponsoring us. Binge yeah. mode colon Game of Thrones. Uh, Mal and Jason, you guys look great. Thank yeah, you. You're I, back. I feel great, don't we? You really we do look a lot fresher than when I last saw you. But it's even... <laughs> it's it looks like we just walked off of the set. One we day, so you guys have to understand that for it's the last few months, two Time what? means nothing Two anymore. And a half? I honestly can't remember. Yeah. Uh, is that, is that was there a time before binge mode? <laughs> Mal and Jason have been working day and night on binge mode. It is an incredible act of scholarship, an incredible act of podcast production by Zach Mack. Yes. Mad Axe. Uh, and it was just such an impressive undertaking. And now you guys are back to playing second fiddles to a bunch of bullshit artists. <laughs> I love How does that feel? Um, no. I, I, well, I yes. I don't but. even know where to start with this because... We could go in a bunch of different directions. We could talk very specifically about Game of Thrones season seven predictions, which I know you guys are a little turned up, turn up on. You know, like you you are seeing deep into the looking glass here. So deep. What's Game of Thrones? What is it? Can you explain it to us? Just give can, us a can uh, we set elevator pitch. Can we set the scene with a couple things? Yeah. First, um, I I know I know this is not the traditional way to begin, uh-huh. but um, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> The Who? author yes. of the series. Oh yeah, what what happened? Boy, he that. so let me just say he was last Man. night. Yes, was the premiere of season seven. He Los got Angeles. he roiled the internet. He did not attend. Right. No, he was too busy I, freaking everybody out. I, uh, not a was he invited? I, 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 I he was attend, invited. I attended. <clears throat> he could walk up. And, uh, Andy was there, by the way. So Andy is already. I've seen the episode. Guys, have you heard that Andy was there? I know. I think we have heard the, it. The text began. Guys, can we show you forty text messages? Was, Andy know, reminding was, us that he was there. Cool. Andy was just like, "What do you guys want to know?" And me and Jason were both like, "Nothing." nothing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And, and I said, "I want to sleep on it and get back to you." And I respect your wishes, and I will not spoil anything today. But I did want to say he was noticeably absent last night. And then he just dropped an internet bomb. So what he did that explain? before. He did that before. So he he has like a blog. as the red carpet was happening. Right? right. He has a blog and he posted a picture not a of not. It's called not a blog <laughs> and it's a live journal, right? It's a live journal. And so he posted like a picture uh, from the World of Ice and Fire book of Valeria when at its peak, mm-hmm. and with a kind of very cryptic. Uh, title that I now forget, and uh, the mood was so before set... globalization. Yes, when Valeria was still pumping out tires and exactly, and then the mood was yeah. set to enigmatic and like and the what did the text say about <laughs> it? Said Ah Valeria or something. It was yeah, like... it's like oh, hold on, I can get it, and it said something like oh here it is. I it forgot says, that you could set your mood on live journal. Yeah, it says nice, alas, alas, the great city Valeria, that mighty sea city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. So everybody thought. In one hour, we're, we're going to find out when he's releasing yes. Winter, oh, Winter or getting the actual book. Because right. it was a 
timestamp yeah. and the premiere was happening that moment. Right. That it night, like... and it was like a moment in the Thrones world. And he didn't, Zach Cram, one of our Thrones heads, yes. noticed. I think that it wasn't tagged Game of Thrones or HBO. Right. Just it was the Song of Ice and Fire. Right. So it was oh, so the book series. Thing. And? And then nothing happened. Nothing happened. Just, he just nothing. literally like he was, nothing happened. Didn't it just seemed like he was kind of salty? Like it's moved on without him? No. I that was the vibe it I got. Felt, I think so. You think that's what it was? I think so. Well, that's sad then. Did he? So there's been no announcement since then. He wasn't like, oh, I saw that a bunch of you guys thought I might be dropping well, a book. And it's like, no, actually. There was a Time Magazine Time interview. Um, interview that came out today where he's like, I've got to finish this. I've got to, I have a responsibility to my fans. But also, like, by the way, I'm going to be at WonderCon in, like, <laughs> wherever it is. And, like, you know, so it's Straight like, up, is that, I know, I was reading, the, so there was a really, really amazing um it's been a couple of crazy weeks for Walking Dead stories, like gossip stories yeah. coming off of that show. Oh yeah, um, and there was they a, shut down production today. Someone did was, they really? Some, someone was someone oh, was someone got seriously hurt. injured. Yeah, right. And uh, but there was a just conversation about like how much money that they don't like. Some some of the actors on Walking Dead don't necessarily get paid what you think they would, but it's partially because they make it all up at conventions. Does is are conventions like almost distracting him because they're so lucrative? Well, as my. Th- Listen. You know what else would be lucrative? Finishing the book. Finishing the you book think. would be yeah, didn't incredibly. Didn't he already basically get paid for that? Here's my thing. Also, he is a co-EP of yeah. the most popular he's, he's television got show money in the world. For days. He's fine. The thing about George is you have to realize he worked in Hollywood, was a writer of little renown of sci-fi and fantasy stuff way before this, and then became essentially famous like later in life. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to like, like Chris Ryan? Don't like Chris Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to like enjoy the adulation of your fans? Like, right? That would so be that would so, be so like emotionally you, so, like satisfying. So he's just smashing. Is that what you're saying? That no, was like a I just very think he wants to. I, just no, I just think he like legitimately likes to be around people who really appreciate this world that he's created. That's interesting. Well, you but is the implication there? So the time and he's smashing and the time and he's just like <laughs> he's buying out the bar in Santa Fe every yeah. night. No, let me literally let, let the only question so like, in that Time Magazine interview. Yes. The Time Destroy Magazine interview. There's some discussion about. Things that Dan and Dave changed. Uh, yeah, the, my husband David Benioff has done differently. <laughs> yeah, uh, than George maybe wanted. Sure, namely uh, Lady Stoneheart. Right. Yes, some and and just being like you know that was the right choice. And it was basically like yeah. they chose to do their thing, and I, I disagreed. But it's a fictional character, and it can go lots of different ways. Um, how are you feeling as 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 devotees of the book, as much of the show, about the idea that these guys are now kind of like running the show now? Uh, I, it was sad. It's bittersweet still, but I'm just glad that we're gonna get it finished. You know, and even it, if the yeah, guy look, who invented it is not finishing, it's it. his. Someone got to take the torch, man. I listen. What George could have just written the books. I mean, I hate. I don't want to be that guy because he should live his life and he should be. He should live his life in the manner that satisfies him. But he also could have just like finished the books if he wanted to. But it's also interesting because, barring something truly bizarre, catastrophic, he likely will finish. Will he? Will or he? another book? I don't Will know. He? I, there's, it's, it's what's what's shifted is that the definitive story for a majority of the people on planet Earth will be mm-hmm. Benny Up and Weiss's version. That's sure. why I wonder if he'll ever finish. Yeah. Because what must that feel like to yeah. devote two decades of your life? This is his opus. Yeah. And to have somebody else share the conclusion of that with the vast majority of the world yeah. must be. He- Absolutely. You're going to find out when Manny Machado does a parade down Broad Street. Yes. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I hate you both. Listen. Um, wow. To your point, Jason, about him yes. enjoying, of heroes. enjoying yes. spending time. The Canyon of Hoagies. It's going to be a Marlin. Enjoying spending the time with people who love this world. Let me sure. tell you, all I will say about the evening last night is nothing about the show. It's just that it, it was... Even in a what had to be about as jaded a room as you can get, because right. this is an industry room. It's the executives from networks. It's the cast. It's their publicists, basically. People went bananas yeah. for the show. They were overjoyed to be there before it started. When it started, clapping, you know, laughing, screaming, shouting, just thrilled. Like Allison, people are so excited for the show, and I, I, I feel like we should start uh, start there. We've been talking for a while, <laughs> but we've been thinking about this because we're planning our show, yeah. and you guys have been talking about it nonstop. But people are full of joy and excitement yeah. that yeah. their favorite show is back. Allison their stories made a are point back. in her in her monoculture <laughs> piece that's on the Ringer, where she sort of loosely almost compared it. It's like it's kind of moved beyond television. It's more. It's like it, its closest comparison point is almost Star Wars at this point. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I would in agree terms with that. of the weight that it carries, and uh, 
Also, I think that you could describe that to the level of anticipation and excitement. We yeah. would, we should be jaded. We've been talking about this yep. professionally for t- twice a week for years now. We should, we should all. You guys have spent so much time thinking about this, and now it's forty-eight hours away. What are you most excited about seeing on Sunday? I will say that the the most frequent question about binge mode, other than how are you guys alive and are you okay, is do you still like this? Yes. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we. We, we literally love it. That's literally, so literally about. could not do it. Yeah, if you can't. we didn't, yeah. like, I would have, I would have hung myself. Like, there's no way you could <laughs> do it unless you really like you, you love ta- it. You would have tommed it. Yeah, you would have oh, pounced out the no. window. Oh, my <gasps> God. Sir Pounce is fine, right? Sir, Sir Pounce is care good. of him. I didn't say Pounce he went fine. out the window. He's I was fine. trying to make a joke Sir about Pounce Tom's survivor. Strategy. Yeah, it's a verb. Yes. So hearts, what? So hearts flutter. You, what am I most excited? Yeah. About? What are you excited about? Who are you? What the, you honestly, first see blank? Like, who are you just gonna be like? It's. Can I give you back. the cheesiest answer imaginable? Yes. I'm excited to be back in the world. Right. You know, it's like when I was. That is the. We're gonna take it one game at a time. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. Game of Thrones dancers. I remember like when I was studying abroad, and someone at the end was like, "What was your favorite part?" And it was like waking up every day and knowing I was in London. Right. Like that's a rare and very special thing in life to be surrounded by something and immersed in something that really makes you happy and excited. You know Game of Thrones is not set in London. <laughs> it's Wow. But it is real. I just real. want to be clear. But it is real. It I is real. Go, I can go yeah, there for four and a half months, that right? That happen. It's just historical. <laughs> I know. I've heard Bill ask the, about the years <laughs> and the time frame. Yeah. Um, specifically, I'm most excited to be back with John. John. I just, I'm a John head. I'm sorry. I won't, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm don't even be, apologizing. Don't even, don't even be sorry at this through point. Through apologizing no, I, for being a, a Team John person. I, he is essentially the main character of the show. Yeah. You know, and so many Danny heads out there let, still, though. Let me let me say this about the about about the new season. Just that when what excited me was the TV part of it, which is exactly what you just said, Mallory. Which is let's get back to it. Right. You're our friends again, and there and and no show has ever given us a map this big, and I mean that in both senses, or a palette this large. And there's still pairings and possibilities we haven't even considered. Yes. Great actors, wine pairings we haven't considered. <laughs> great actors or great characters, great performances that have not overlapped or shared the screen. True. Yeah, there's also there's still like more to come in such seeing, a profound way. Seeing people who are, you, we used to see in snow and the sun and vice versa. Totally. And, yeah. Yeah. I, it's more I mean, vice versa. Danny yeah. and John are the main characters of the show and they've never interacted. Mm-hmm. Never ever. Think about that. There's a We're lot of characters. hours deep. What if a they lot of characters that never ever. <laughs> Or what if they have amazing sex? Can, can, can I can I ask you guys one other thing? On my way last night, my Lyft driver mm-hmm. uh, had two 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 knowledge bombs. One, I love it. Said he said Jon Snow is the best character on the show, so he's definitely okay. Team Mallory. Two, he turned around like he was driving. He was driving real slow. I, I wanted to get there, but he wanted to tell me his sure. theory, and he wanted me to like remember him if this if this happens. And you did, so it worked. He believes that there's time travel to come. That there's some that he he's a big time travel guy. Is he like, like a, Bran? Is really Bran the builder? Bran time loop causing the Mad King to go mad, or yeah. maybe not causing him. Oh, to I go thought mad you were going to be like John Snow wakes up in the 1950s. and John sleeps Snow, with his own mom. John Snow wakes up next Outlander. to Suzanne Flechette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've never been into that theory. Yeah, I respect I and I love. Like one of the things that's most exciting about the story is that everybody can have a pet theory and they can all be weird and yeah. all be different what's, and it's fine if none of them are right. What's the worst one you've heard, though? All the ones you've shared <laughs> are terrible. <laughs> the only reason I don't like the brand is secretly the cause of all of this theory is because one of the things that's really cool about the story is the idea of like agency mm-hmm. and how characters make their own choices and if Bran is the one who caused everything, that is stripped out of the story I, in a way that I don't like. I agree with that. I, okay, I have another question for you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it to Jason first. Um... One thing that I feel like is a carryover from book, the, what I understand to be the experience of reading these books. Have you not read the books? I haven't, but I'm blocking out some time. <laughs> yeah, there's um, only like 5,000 something but pages. It, but it's also a little bit resonant, uh, like, uh, it's a little bit reminds me of the um, sort of the uh, certain way to watch TV, the way people watch Westworld that kind of annoys me, which is let's just only make the show about loose ends because loose ends have to be resolved. Right. With that in mind, should we care if we ever see Gendry again? Like that, like that's a big theory. He's out there. He was a Baratheon. Right. In my mind, I'm like, I, I don't see how that makes the show better to go backwards. But does that bother you? Am I looking at this the wrong uh, way? No, I, I mean, I like loose ends personally as a person. It's interesting that you pick that character um, because. And there are more. There was on the Don't Google him. Um, don't Google Gendry. I saw him at the premiere. 
I saw a picture of him. Uh, okay. <laughs> it so does maybe, seem like yeah. Gendry will probably come back. I would imagine. There's like a, the crew that is going north. It would make sense that he might be with them. Um, yeah, but I, I do like, I mean, I like loose ends. I like, you know, it's like why the, the Pine Barren episodes of The Sopranos lives right. on forever because yeah. you don't know where the Russian is. Why the end of The Sopranos lives on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love stuff like that. So I would hope that they maintain that, that ambiguity and mystery about certain of the, the plots. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's what makes the world feel really like rich and vast right. is that you can't actually get your arms around all of it. You don't understand right. everything and you probably never can. That's actually what's exciting and cool about that it. That said, this show up until these last two seasons basically had had a, a, something that no other show in history has ever been able to do, which is they could really leave hanging chads with intention and authority because right. they knew how they could resolve it yeah. in two years. So right. when they told a character, just want you to sit a couple plays out, right. take, a, take a year off, the Hound, Bran, they knew what they would be coming back to and they could, you know, it, and so they did that with intention, with authority, and with obviously a plan to have it come back. And I think we might see more of that going forward. Things that felt significant generally are because there right. is not that much real estate on the show. Speaking of significance, one of the, uh, I think that one of the things, especially for casual viewers that's define this show, is the scope of the set pieces that has happened, usually yeah. one to two per season. Uh, they always find a way to top it, and somehow somehow Battle of the mm-hmm. Bastards has topped Hard Home, which topped Blackwater. And I think, I mean, is there is there a degree to which we could argue about that? Or is Sure, that... yeah. Okay, well, we're not topping it, but like you know, <laughs> there's a lot of horses in, in Battle of the Bastards. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a, a fine, it's an emotionally satisfying episode, but it's like, and it's for me, it's like, a highly imperfect game B.O.B. or uh, he's out Battle of the Bastards. Bastards. Okay, yeah. It's a top 15 episode, but I don't, it's not. Do you rank Hard Home higher than that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. 100%. That's it. Yeah. Nice bump. But here's my point. <laughs> this season, you guys have talked about this. We talked about this at Largo. Yeah. Uh, looks like there's going to be a lot of those. Right. Yeah. And what I'm really curious about, and, and, and this is what I'm most excited about, is how the, sh- the Benioff and Weiss and the guys who are making the show um, find the balance between the more intimate domestic moments that where people transfer literally transfer power in a lot of ways right. in these mm-hmm. back rooms and, and throne rooms and all these places and how that stuff manifests itself in these uh for lack of a better term battles that i'm sure we're about to see battles that could be between more or less supernatural forces battles that could bring to a close major character storylines and so I, i'm just fascinated what do you do when the 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 needle is either going quiet to deafening. Right. I was actually going to ask you guys that because I'm, yeah. I'm really curious about your perspective as t- television critics. Like, one of the things that stood out to me just reading, like, little, you know, interview tweets and snippets from last night on the, the at the premiere was almost all of the actors. There seemed to be a through line um, of them saying, you won't believe how different this season feels just because of the pace, mm-hmm. the, the speed at which characters move, the n- amount of sheer plot that's packed into fewer total episodes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Davos might have been the one who said, yeah, we filmed for as long right. for seven episodes instead of ten. Yeah. Is that a bad thing if the show feels different as an actual television I, experience, or is it a good thing? I think, you know, the thing that I really liked about last season was, and, and I keep crediting it to them being off book, but that might not be fair, but it felt looser in some ways. Obviously, it's a tightly scripted show, but... There were those moments. There were. It just felt like there were more human moments. It was a funnier show than in years past. And in thinking about what's still to come, and I say that not the way you guys have thought about it. Right. I actually don't know. But if you, even as a casual fan, you could you you can connect a couple dots that have to happen, and then the show's over, mm-hmm. right? Like right. King's Landing has to be dealt. Knights King sits on the Iron Throne. Double birds. Double I'm birds. Out. Right. And then, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> don't stop believing, please. <laughs> right. But. But King's Landing has to be dealt with in one way or another, right? right? Of course. Daenerys has to arrive in Westeros. Uh, she will have to cross paths with Jon Snow at some point. Yes. Um, there will be a giant fight for survival of the sure. world against the against. So that's the season. That's season eight. Yes, but these are the big major things that happen. Right. All I'm saying is there. We're, we're saying there are a lot of battles coming, and clearly there are, but there aren't that many turning points left. We see the end game, and so my thought is, there might be more war room than we think for human moments because we have they have to set up each one and then come back down and set up and come back down in order to stretch it across what seven episodes this yeah. year and likely six next year. We right. did this thing at uh, Largo which we did a lot on uh, after the thrones where we were sort of talking about things on this map uh, characters and where they were and where they were going and I realized very quickly when we were doing it at Largo 
don't really need this anymore because there are basically nine characters left. There used to be 20, you know, I mean, there used to be, we used to be in nine different locations in various parts of this world. Now we are really, they're, really they're squatting up. Yeah. Right. They're really, they're, and it's compressing. And I was wondering for you guys who started uh, rewatching the show and podcasting about it from the very beginning when, you know, even as for people who are novices to it, we were like, well, Ned's the star, right? And then if right. not Ned, Rob, and if not Rob, you know, and we have now arrived at what should have been always obvious, you know, for a book reader. But as the um, variables have shrunk, you know, is it, do you find it easier or harder to think about the show? Do you find it that, like, how has that changed over the course of the, the series for you guys in terms of you used to be keeping 25, 30 characters, mm -hmm. all these different locations, all these different histories and storylines. Now you pretty much have everything in front of you. It's a really good question. I'm not sure I've ever thought about it that way. I guess maybe it, it makes it harder, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, one of the things that was cool about the community and the fan experience around discussing it was that basically, like, any opinion was valid, right? And you could just freely, like, throw an idea into the world and there was somebody there, like, ready to receive <laughs> it and engage in a conversation with you. And there were so many different plot lines and storylines and characters and regions and ideas that, like, and each one gave you history. an age. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. and now it's, like, basically if you don't have the answer for, like, X, Y, and Z, right. definitively how they've shown that John is the prince that was promised, right. like, you don't know how to, like, talk about the show, you know? Right. Which is So this is basically tough. Game of Thrones has had its advanced analytics revolution then. <laughs> we're all Billy Bean. <laughs> We're all Billy Bean, but will our shit work in the playoffs? <laughs> that's a great. Will question. it work in it, season seven and, and eight? That's what this is. Yeah. yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, I don't know. Any what, what else are you guys looking forward to? Let's 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 hear from you. Uh, well, I think piggybacking off this conversation and kind of the thing that bothers me about Battle of the Bastards is that um, George has created this world that's like totally ruthless, in which people who do dumb things get punished, and the good things that people do don't always get rewarded. And for his story to be emotionally satisfying for the people who've spent so much time invested in it, um, he can't do that anymore. Like the Battle of the Bastards had to be heroic, right? You had mm -hmm. to do a heroic thing. And John did 15 dumb things that Ned would have been punished for had he done them in season one. Yeah. Right. And those are the moves that he has left. All the and that, punishment fell on Rick on. Right. And that tells you, that <laughs> like just shows you like sink. how, or it just that. shows you how difficult it, is, it really is to, to finish this because he has to contradict himself on some level. Yeah. I wonder whether, how much of a difference there is. I remember when Red Wedding happened and I specifically remember you in an email or on Twitter, I can't remember, we were like, you Jason, because uh, people yeah, can see your point. Yeah, Conception <laughs> sure. was like, I, you know, I knew it. I knew this was coming for so long, and I couldn't tell you. And I was just like, "This is this this is not supposed to happen. This is not right. so, you're, Prince Valiant and his mother yeah. are not supposed to get <laughs> gutted at a at a wedding dinner." The Philadelphia and, Inquirer didn't run that cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> and, kids. and uh, I remember that happening. But now that the show, I think, has probably eclipsed the books in terms of popularity yeah. in some ways. I mean, la at, at Largo, Certainly. we were like, yeah. how many people here were the books? And it was probably like a quarter that of the crowd. That was, that was shocking, that was really actually. Yeah, I was surprised I mean, by that. I just think most of the people didn't clap work at the ringer, but still, <laughs> that might be our, our problem. But, uh, you know, you guys were going into this show knowing that about stupidity is punished or, you know, certain things are punished, certain things are rewarded. Now... We're kind of like the balance is like the Benioff and Weiss rules and the Kit Harrington rules. And maybe that there's like maybe there is a little bit of a change in sort of worldview or and this is what I asked you guys the other night as well. Did are we on the other side of the mountain where we were taught to watch the yes. show, taught to live in this world, yeah, yeah. punished for believing certain things. But we've come out of it the other side. Right. And, then and now here comes come our true. reward, you know, which isn't what we imagined, but it's it's going to be close. Like, I don't think I'm going to go. I'm going to go on a limb, guys. I don't think the Night King is going to win. I'm not saying all our heroes are going to survive, right, right. but I don't think that's how this right. story ends. I agree with that. I think maybe the only thing that can prevent what Jason was describing earlier, which is like George sort of like subverting his own intentions in yeah. some way, is that like enough bad things still happen along the right. <laughs> along the way to like right. success, whatever that looks yeah. like. Like John can be alive at the end, and if what he learns about his parentage, what that means for the people he cares about, new new reunions, fa you know, quote-unquote family members in his life bonding with him, betraying him perhaps, who knows? Lo 
I hate to even say this, put it out loud into the world, but like ghosts, you know, <laughs> protect ghosts. But yeah. what if what if you can't protect ghosts? Plenty of bad things, terrible things can still happen. Yeah. One last thing to to think about that I I did not appreciate enough, um, but rewatching it, um, seeing scenes from it again last night, and then also the the Ringer list of um, the best episodes ever confirming it. The last episode of Game of Thrones that we saw, the season finale of season six, is the best episode of the show. There's yeah. not a, like a wasted second. It's a consensus. It's it was the best episode of the show, which by definition means it's one of the best hours of TV, hour plus yeah. ever. ever. Um, that's incredible. I think in the tumult of making our after show last year, I didn't pause to appreciate that, even though I couldn't believe what no, we had seen. No, it's also specifically the way we were watching it last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. So that is, an, first of all, that's unique that for your 60th episode to be totally. your best. But what does that do in terms of expectations, um, in terms of, because people always, there's a, this is a different season, but for the previous six seasons, there's always a part in like around the fifth episode where everyone's like, let's get on with it. What are we doing? Right, except last season, the fifth episode was the door. Was right. the door. And right. like, it was a mind blower. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what like sort of gives me peace about all of this is last season was the first time they went really, not in every single storyline, but right. in the bulk of the storylines really far ahead of the book. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, to get back to what you were asking us earlier, like how does that make us feel? Like those are fucking amazing episodes of TV. They're just incredible. And like to be able to pull off something like the Liana John reveal right. and not only have it live up to expectations that for some readers, for people who read a Game of Thrones, the first book when it first came out, that is a mystery they had wondered about for literally 20 years. I, I think crucially it, too, it though, they maintained some mystery in that. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly what I was going to just say. It didn't just answer a crucial question. It, it created like 10 new ones. It, mm-hmm. That's amazing. Right. And, that's and, great storytelling. And let's enjoy this now, not just because of what Allison was saying about the monoculture, but this is everyone at the peak of their powers. And the last episode the people who make the show made was the best. It truly was. D- production, direction, writing, performance. That just doesn't happen. 60, you, you don't get... It, Best no. episodes in, in six And not just that. I'm going to shout out you guys and also the people listening. The fandom is at its peak. People love this. People are on board. And when those two things are happening at the same time, that's that's very special. That's Yeah, that's what creates the, the water cooler moments that we've been talking about since the beginning of podcasting where we're just like, oh, and we feel this being scraped away one by one by various like you know by the fact that we don't all watch television at the same time in the same way at the same pace anymore this is really is the last thing where we will be together multiple times per week to talk about this because literally be together because there because you meant the world but we four will because it demands it so speaking of which uh sunday nights we will be doing talk the thrones live on Twitter, so the Ringer presents Talk the Thrones live. Explain again how people watch that app on is Twitter. still free, by the yeah, way. That website is still free. Uh, you can watch us. Basically, it will be on all of our feeds and the the Ringer's Twitter feed. So and if, I if believe you subscribe on Explore, right? If you like, press your Explore yes. button. We should be there too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that us. the easiest thing to do is just go to Twitter.com/slash/Ringer after the show, and it will be right Let's there. Let's also say that we will be live after the East Coast airing. That our episode will exist. Yeah, you do not need. We would love it if you would join us It'll live. Be you, can there. Res- you can interact yeah. with us. You can tweet at us. Start it whenever you want. It'll be there. But we will be there. People have been asking if there is going to be a podcast of that episode. If the if the if the, the Ringer show, the t- talk show, will be available afterwards Audio as a podcast. Only. It will not. No. Okay. The watch will be going on Mondays. I am sure we will be frequently joined by Jason and or Mallory on the watch on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Jason and Mallory are going to continue their deep dives. Is that going Wednesdays? TBD. 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 Binge mode will be will be coming at some point. Binge right. mode will be coming during the middle of the week-ish. Right. Doing a very deep dive for, for the scholars and the heads. Greenwald and I will be on on Thursdays. On our re-up. On the re-up, talking exclusively about Jeremy Renner's real estate. Yeah! Power his arms. Can I shout someone out here? Um... Guest of of the watch, uh, Emmy snub, Damon Lindelof. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a tragedy. I'm just shouting him out. It's a, t- it's a hard day. Ultimate Hulk Call- versus X Men versus Wolverine fans out there. Called me on this. Mm. He said, "How could we be who we claim to be and not have gotten on the mics on Monday and said, how did Jeremy Renner break both his arms? Answer: Flipping houses. Mm-hmm. Like, why did we not tell? <laughs> did that I joke? not see that? Have I? We kind of just. Oh joking. man. We, we, 
he he sunned God. us. He's right. Damn, Shouts damn, to him. Man. He 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 deserved an Emmy nomination so for a, writing that joke. That's a full week of stuff, right? Sunday night, talk the thrones on Twitter.com. It's still free. Monday, the watch, Andy and Chris. Midweek, Mal and Jason binge mode for deeper dives into Game of Thrones mm-hmm. lore. Thursday, Andy and I will, I'm sure, chat about Game and of Thrones. Maybe we'll can grab one of you sometimes for a preview question. Or yeah, something I mean, about. we're 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 all we're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Working together for one big goal, and that is for the Knights King to the Great War. finally meet his looper back in the 1950s. <laughs> his, uh, his looper or his luber? <laughs> looper. I don't know what a luber is, but it does either. not sound good. Uh, am sounds I missing actually, It sounds actually use- very useful, <laughs> to be honest with you, Andy. <laughs> it must get really chafy out there. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean? Like, he could probably use tons some of friction. If you got a um, luber, use him. I don't think there's anything else. Sunday night, join us, Talk the Thrones. After the scenes from next week, yep. yeah. we will be on. We can't wait. We'll have a special guest, yes. I assume, uh, for Andy Greenwald, for Jason Concepcion, for Mallory Rubin. Can't wait to talk to you guys more about games. Let's go, Baranskis. Let's do it. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes, so why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to, because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll get a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app now and find seriously amazing deals. This episode of The Watch was also brought to you by Redbox. School's out for summer, and Redbox has the video games to keep you entertained. With over 40,000 locations nationwide, you can rent and return anywhere. Better yet, you'll get a free one-night game rental from Redbox when you use the promo code WATCH4. That's WATCH and the number 4. Swing by to a box in your neighborhood, or if you want to make sure that game is there when you get there, Reserve it online at redbox.com slash games. The offer is valid through July 27, 2017. Subject to additional terms, charges apply for additional nights, payment card is required. Getting into video games has never been so easy. Redbox.